Welcome to Stuck in Misery, the best Midwest sports talk podcast. I'm your host, Mark Bergen, joined as always by James West and Sam Renshin. The NFL is back, fellas, and the Chiefs took care of the Texans last night, 34-20 to to open the season. And guys, Andy Reid might need to defog his face shield, but the Chiefs looked every bit like the defending Super Bowl champions last night. Oh, absolutely. I mean, they didn't skip a beat. Like, Mahomes out there slinging it again, you know, that, that classic dump through the middle to Travis Kelsey. I mean, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, holy crap, boys. He looks legit. I mean, he's fun to watch, electric in that offense. He's already returning a lot for his uh, fantasy shareholders already. So, James, what do you think? Get that man a cheeseburger. Chiefs <laughs> looked good. <laughs> Chiefs looked good. Two comps, I would, <laughs> two comps I would make for you guys. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, a lot like Brian Westbrook, how the Eagles used him back in the day when Andy Reid was the head coach oh, like there. Yeah. And then Maurice Jones-Drew, the tiny stud running back for several years for the Jacksonville Jaguars. I tell you what, guys, the only team stopping the Chiefs this season is the Chiefs. And if they can stay healthy – I think they have as good a chance as any team to repeat as Super Bowl champions, something that hasn't been done since the New England Patriots in the mid-2000s. Definitely. And the Chiefs' defense really looked like they picked up from last year, too. They had a lot of rookies. I know specifically like Snead looked great. He was just shutting down that Houston receiving core. But honestly, what I was most surprised about in this game was – Kind of, I guess the storyline, because the storyline was the quarterbacks. It was Deshaun and Patrick going into it. And for me, the highlight was definitely the running backs for both teams. Johnson had like 77 yards and 11 carries. Clyde Edwards-Alaire lit it up and was spectacular. Like, if you're a Chiefs fan, you got to be over the moon about this guy and him being on the team because it, it kind of adds like that dynamic running back back to their offense. And really, I mean, outside of – him not getting any receptions and him kind of getting smashed in the red zone. Like he was a home run, but really like that only matters if you're playing fantasy. So. Yeah. I mean, most definitely I agree with that. Like the defense for the chiefs, I mean, they stepped up like no one really, they're not really highly touted at all, but they've kept like Watson on the wraps the majority of the game and all of those yards and points were garbage time pretty much. So they had it under control. And to your point about David Johnson, he looks legit. I mean, he looks like he's running with something to prove, in which he does, because, you know, a lot of people were giving him, giving the Texans crap for trading for him and getting rid of Hopkins, and uh, which looked like a lopsided trade. But you knew that the Texans were going to use him. Like, they brought him in and got rid of one of the best receivers in the league. So, naturally, they're going to use David Johnson. And he looks legit. Yeah. I mean, he was, at one point, a top five running back in the league. And, he, you know, after last night, the sky's the limit for him. Sammy, I, I hear you and I completely agree. He looks great. He looks like he looks like he's back. And he looks like he's gonna be a huge asset for the Texans this year. But what I question though is you go out and you pay Deshaun, but you get rid of Hopkins and that Houston's receiving core looked awful. It was like I oh. guess you could call Will Fuller their wide receiver one, but it's like it seemed like he only got receptions and big yardage when the game was already done. And remember, Fuller has battled injuries for the past few years as well. Yeah. Speaking of David Johnson, this was a guy who's a 2,000-yard back in 2016, and so still relatively young in his career, entering now his sixth season as a pro. And so there's still some miles left on the tank for David Johnson from a running back standpoint. Especially considering he missed 
like a full year with when he broke his wrist. So he's still relatively young for his age. I mean, we think of like, I think he's 28 years old, which is like in his prime, but he's still only played, you know, he, there's a few seasons there where he hasn't logged all the games. So it's, I think there's a lot in the tank left for him. And I think that every year they go in, the Texans go into the, the season saying like, oh, Will Fuller is going to be, go off this year, but injuries has held, held him back. But I legit think that he has the opportunity to do that this year. And like, to your point, they need him. Otherwise, they're going to be missing a lot of DeAndre yeah. Hopkins stats. Before we go on to the rest of the week one matchups too, guys, I do want to mention the importance of keeping Edwards Elaire healthy for the Chiefs. Remember, Damian Williams has opted out of the season. And Williams was a guy a year ago in the Super Bowl who many felt should have actually won the Super Bowl MVP, not Patrick Mahomes. And if you go back and look at the stat sheet, Williams was absolutely vital to the Chiefs' efforts in winning the Super Bowl a year ago. They were able to run the ball. And so if Edwards Alaire can stay healthy, yeah, they've got the Chiefs have a lot of other offensive skill position players, but from a running back standpoint, his health is critical to the Chiefs' success in the 2020 season. Anything else? Final thoughts from last night's game, guys? I think it's going to be a lot of Deshaun Watson this year. I mean, he had like no time in the pocket. So it's going to be a lot of scrambling and chucking the ball up. I mean, we'll see. That offensive line needs to give him more help. Yeah, I think this is going to be a really rough year for Deshaun. Like, you could just see the frustration on his face and just every single time that ball hit his receivers like square in the chest, right in the hands. And they just dropped it. Like it was pretty yeah, still yeah, <laughs> had a few of those. So. They have like a decent receiving core too. Like Cobb cooks fuller, like sure. They don't have a superstar, but they have a bunch of like pretty balanced, like good guys. They should be able to spread it out. I think that was the intention, but it's just like, it was a pretty big face plant as far as the receiving core goes. I think the Chiefs are going to yeah. make, make a lot of teams look pedestrian this season, especially with what has been an unprecedented offseason in terms of all the limitations stemming from the pandemic and everything, too. Guys, let's go to the week one matchups. We'll open up. My Chicago Bears are a three-point underdog on the road to the Detroit Lions over under set at 43 and a half and Mitchell Trubisky is going to be the starter for the bears. Let's go! Uh, <laughs> I'm pumped for Mitch, man. I'm pumped for Mitch. Comeback player of the year. Let's go. I love you know, this. I, I, I love just this. love the fire. Love feeding the fire. And I think this is the right call because like the bears have to get something out of him, something out of him. And you know what? Like, I don't know if, Foles is really that much better than Trubisky or is really going to give you that much better of a chance to win. So why not? Get Trubisky the chance. He's your number two overall pick. Like, let's go. He's got, you know, he's got a lot to prove. And, you know, I'm not like super high on him, but I love that he's going to have another chance. And, you know, you'll have stories like that to see if he can actually come back and prove himself again. Sam just became a fan favorite with all of our Chicago listeners. So it's fantastic. I mean, you guys know I, I'm friends with all you, a lot of you guys from Chicago, from Mizzou, and I've always given uh, – I've always hyped up Mitch. You guys know that. Sammy, I'm not buying it. I'm not buying the QB controversy, all right? And I know you, man. I know you. And I know that you, you love a comeback. You love an underdog. <laughs> and it's blinding you. You're, you're letting that blind you. You're letting the Mitch Trubisky storyline blind you. All right. If he was the guy, they wouldn't have gone out and signed Foles. Okay. Truthfully, the Bears management is just 
in the last stage of denial that they pass on Mahomes, <laughs> that they pass on Deshaun Watson, who both right. got paid. And they're right. sitting here going, oh, uh, we traded up for Mitch? No way. All right. right. All right. So, I mean, like, let's just look at the, the reality of the situation. They went out and they signed arguably the best backup in the NFL and, and Nick Foles, okay? Traded, so traded for him, but same yeah. thing, same thing. Yeah. Go out, they, so, so go out there, give Mitch the last shot, see if he can, you know, pull something out of nowhere, be your guy. And if he doesn't, like, who do you have on your bench? But the guy who has the most experience and comes off the bench the best and Nick Foles, and he'll take over the season. But James, I'll tell you this, regardless hey, of hey. who would have started, regardless of who would have started the season, I think the other guy would have finished it. All right. Like the Bears were destined to 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 start two QBs this this year. Yeah. I'm not buying it. I'm taking I'm taking a healthy Matt Stafford and oh, uh, and the and the Lions over the Bears this year. Um, but what I do like is kind of this wide receiver face off between Kenny Galladay. And Allen Robinson, you know, both had great seasons last year. Both put up big numbers with awful QB play. And so hopefully, hopefully they'll be able to, to do a little bit better with some good QB play. But uh, I just don't see it happening for the Bears, man. Yeah, Allen Robinson's like the only Bears offensive skill position players who would start for any other team in the NFL. And a lot of that is attributed to the struggles that the Bears have had on the offensive line, a team that did not run the ball effectively a season ago. David Montgomery coming off a groin injury entering his second year. He has practiced without restrictions the last few days, but we'll see if he's hampered by that at all. James, to add to your point about the Trubisky debate too, you have to figure all the New England Patriots fans who are thanking their lucky stars that the Bears did not try to go out and pursue Cam Newton, someone they got for what is contract worth like $7 million with incentives. The Bears are keeping Nick Foles on their bench on a three-year $24 million deal. So you've got an $8 million quarterback making slightly more than Trubisky, who's still on his rookie deal, sitting on the bench from a pure asset management standpoint. It's just yet another head-scratching decision by the Bears' front office management. Kind of reminds me of that Mike Glennon deal back in the day. Sam, Sam, all the good graces you made with our Chicago <laughs> listeners have just gone out the window oh, with the Mike just, Glennon I comment. Love it. Like you, you Bear fans, just crack me up, man. You just crack me up. I'll I mean, say as a former Ram fan, like I know your pain, so you know. <laughs> Matt Nagy, the Bears coach, 4-0 against the Lions. But, James, you brought up a great point, too. Stafford did not play in either of the games last season. I'm going to take my hometown Bears. Call me a homer. I like them to cover the three-point spread. Uh, Sam, who you got on Sunday, Bears-Lions? I get the Lions, and I'll tell you why. I think that they're actually – you know, I've said this before on the show um, when we did, like, our QB preview. I actually think the Lions are going to have a decent year. They're my sleeper team this year. And I think the key to that success, obviously, is Matt Stafford staying healthy. But if you look at offense, I mean, they have one of the best duos of wide receivers in the league in Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones. Add TJ Hawkinson at the tight end, and they have a three-headed monster, a three-headed monster in that backfield with Carrion Johnson, DeAndre Swift, and now signing AP. You know, I think there's a lot of moving pieces on the defense, but they just – they picked uh, Okuda, um, who's – Jeff Akuda with number three overall pick out of Ohio State, who was legit game changer on defense. And 
honestly, I mean, that's a tough division, but I, people forget they started off very hot last year. And if they can just continue that throughout the season and Matt Stafford stays healthy, they could definitely be a wild card team in my opinion. Yes. Yeah, I mean, also too, you mentioned if, if Matt Stafford can stay healthy, I think he had uh, some type of back injury, but the, the likelihood that he would re-injure that I read is, is very low. Like it's, it's, it was like an awkward injury, kind of a, a fluke of an injury. So it's not something that he's like, that's like probably at a huge risk of being re-injured. It's because he's now an older QB is, does he get hurt with a different injury or, or something else? Fellas, let's move on to the next game. Staying in the NFC North division, the Green Bay Packers, a two and a half point underdog on the road against the Minnesota Vikings. I think this could be a bit of a redemption season for Aaron Rodgers, especially considering that the Packers drafted Jordan Love in the first round. I think Rodgers is going to want to have something to prove that he still got it one last go around as he's going to start to fade out in transition to the twilight of his career in what will probably not end in a Green Bay Packers uniform. I like the Packers to cover two and a half point underdog against the Vikings, a team that ran the ball really effectively a season ago. What do you guys think about this matchup? I agree. I mean, I think uh, Aaron Rodgers is, you know, he was disrespected this off season is one of the best quarterbacks in the game. Um, I think, you know, he saw the writing on the wall saying that, Hey, his time in green Bay is going to be up soon. The thing is, though, we have to think about it, is like they switched so heavily to a running offense under Matt LaFleur. So it's like, will Matt LaFleur actually use Aaron Rodgers and let him like unleash his talent still? Which we, I think he still has it. So I definitely think the Packers are a team that probably overachieved a little bit. But I think they'll definitely, by the end of the year, still be in that playoff contention. I am not among these people, but there are some people who think Packers running back Aaron Jones is the more important Aaron on that Packers offense. I just can't wait to see this matchup just because for as long as I've known Aaron Rodgers in a Packers uniform, the NFC North has run through Green Bay, and it kills me to say that as a Bears fan, but that's just the honest truth. We will move on to the next matchup in the AFC North. The Cleveland Browns, an eight-point underdog on the road against the Baltimore Ravens, over under at 48 and a half points. And guys, Lamar Jackson coming off an MVP season a year ago. And I was blown away researching this game, fellas. The Browns and Ravens split the series in 2019, something that you would say, wait, what? Probably the highlight of the Freddie Kitchens era last year in Cleveland. Now, the Browns have first-year head coach Kevin Stefanski coming in. They've got a loaded backfield with both Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. On the outside, you've got OBJ, Jarvis Landry. You've got a plethora of tight ends. On paper, the Browns look like an AFC Pro Bowl roster, but really the big question is, is this the year that they finally put it together? We'll see what happens. It starts week one in Baltimore. Well, Mark, the Browns are still going to be the Browns, in my opinion, until they can actually put a full season together. I mean, they're if you look on their their uh, their roster on paper, I mean, they're loaded head to toe. But the thing is, the game's not played on paper. Um, we thought this last year they're like the darlings heading into the last season, right? But it just I thought that kind of like they were almost crippled by that hype. So until they, I'm not buying it this year until they actually put something together. However, I will say, I think Baker Mayfield had a lot of pressure on him last year, mm -hmm. all of the preseason hype. 
And this year you haven't heard, heard anything about him. He's not in all the commercials like last time. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, I think that's going to be a huge benefit for him. So I think he's definitely a candidate to have a bounce back year. But until the Browns prove me wrong, still not betting on him. Sam misses Baker Mayfield and all those progressive commercials. He doesn't know who to go to. So I'll say this, Mayfield going into year three, it's absolutely critical for him and his development in his career that he has a good season. And the Browns made major upgrades on that offensive line, drafting Jadrick Wills, the Alabama offensive tackle in the first round of the NFL draft, and then bringing in Jack Conklin, free agent right tackle, who played on the Tennessee Titans and helped Derrick Henry secure the rushing title a season ago. So major upgrades for the Browns from that standpoint. Also bringing in two-time Pro Bowl tight end Austin Hooper from the Atlanta Falcons too. Again, on paper, this Browns team is as good as any. But the question is, is can they finally make the playoffs? They have not made the postseason since 2002. And that's the longest active playoff drought in the NFL, the second longest in North American professional sports. The only team with the longer active playoff drought, Major League Baseball's Seattle Mariners. 2001 was the last time the Mariners made the postseason. Cool Mariners fact. So uh, I got to say, no way am I picking the Browns over the Ravens. And because of that, for me, the storyline is more how many yards will Lamar rush for in this game? And will he take that step forward as a passer? And kind of tied to that, what's Hollywood Brown going to do? Is he going to have another monster week one? Is he going to step up and improve as a receiver? Those are the things that I'm more interested in because I'm not giving the Browns much of a shot. So you guys both like the Ravens to cover that eight-point spread? Yeah. Yeah, I'll take that. I'm going to take the Browns to cover. I will say this, though, if you need – a quick money line bet in the parlay. I do like the Ravens to win this game, but I do think the Browns cover that eight-point spread. We'll see what happens there as the Browns begin to move on from the Freddie Kitchens era. Next matchup, the Colts are an eight-point favorite, but they'll be on the road against the Jacksonville Jaguars. And guys, a lot of people think that the Jags are going to be the team that everyone bets against in the 2020 season. Right now, entering this season, they are the favorite to secure the number one overall pick for the 2021 draft. Maybe a little tanking for Trevor Lawrence. Phillip Rivers with his new team with the Indianapolis Colts. I'm going to go out on a limb here. I like the Jags to cover an eight-point spread just because I think Phillip Rivers has shown that he's washed at this point in what's been an outstanding career as the quarterback of the Chargers, but... To me, every, everyone's going against the Jags. I'm going to zag here. I like the Jags to cover. Mark, I, I disagree with you, man. I, I don't get why everyone's sleeping on the Colts this year. I mean, they kind of blew it down the stretch last year. Let's be honest. They started off 6-2. and two. They were in first in the AFC South. I know that because I'm a Titans fan. They go into that season thinking like, hey, Andrew Luck is our guy. But then, you know, right before the season, he announces he's retired. So then they're going into the season with Jacoby Brissett and they start off very strong. And I think that like over the last seven or last nine games, they, I guess I stole this from Warren Sharp because I, you know, I like him. He's a very good uh, analytical guy, but he said that over the last nine games of the season, seven of them, they had the lead entering into the fourth quarter. Mm -hmm. However, of those seven games, they only won two. So they left five wins on the season there by blowing those wins. And I think, you know, bringing in Phil Rippers, I think he still has a little bit left in the tank. Drafting Jonathan Taylor, you know, I think he's going to be a stud by the end of the season. I like the Colts, honestly, to be 
a really hard t- competition with the Titans this year in the AFC South. Well, I think Brissett was playing hurt last year too because they started out super hot and just kind of faded down the stretch. I will say this too. It's crazy to think that this is a Jags team that just two seasons ago was a few plays away from playing in the Super Bowl. Remember, they were in the AFC Championship game against the Patriots, but gone are the likes of a Blake Bortles, a Jalen Ramsey, Yannick Ngankwe, team cuts Leonard Fournette. And so all of those players, minus Bortles, are Pro Bowl players. And so what happens to the Jags this season? Everyone is so down on them. Again, I don't think that they're going to make the playoffs necessarily, but I'm not sure they're going to be as bad as everyone anticipates. We'll move on. The Raiders are a three-point favorite on the road against the Carolina Panthers over under at 47 and a half. It'll be first-year head coach Matt Rule, the Teddy Bridgewater era getting underway in Carolina. And guys, I have a beef to pick out with David Carr and his obsession with his brother, Derek Carr, the Raiders quarterback. And it's still so weird to consider that the Raiders are now in Las Vegas, not in Oakland. But David Carr is an analyst for the NFL Network. He predicted that the Raiders would win the AFC West ahead of the Chiefs. He predicted that his brother, Derek Carr, would win the MVP. And he predicted that John Gruden would win Coach of the Year. I'll give you the odds on each of those things. The Raiders are the least favorite in the division at plus 1,200 to win the AFC West. Derek Carr to win the MVP is plus 6,000. And Gruden to win Coach of the Year is plus 3,000. I don't know how this is allowed. And apparently Derek Carr does this every single year. I'm all for supporting your family and being there as a family member. But to pick the Raiders ahead of the defending Super Bowl champions, like, I, I don't understand this. I do not understand this at all. Got to get those ratings up, Mark. <laughs> we know you like the ratings. I don't get it either, man. I don't get it either. Am I the only person that's just, like, really happy that the Raiders aren't going to be playing on a baseball field anymore? <laughs> That was part of their image, man. That was like I, part of their. I just, I, I just, <laughs> it just would make me cringe every single year I watch the Raiders play, and there's just a big clump of dirt in the middle. <laughs> I just, dude, it just, it maybe it's maybe it's a little OCD. I just, I hated it so much, hated it so much. But yeah, man, I'm not, I'm not buying this Raiders hype. Like, listen, I, I like Teddy, I like Teddy at Carolina. I get that they have a new coach, but he, he fits, he fits their team, he fits the playing style of that team I think he's an excellent intermediate passer and it just fits with who Carolina is I think the Raiders are way overrated they have a lot of young talent but it's the same thing that I said with the Bears like you don't go out and get Mariota if you think Carr is your guy he's not going to finish the season Gruden I don't think likes him I'm not buying it I'm not buying it so I'm taking Carolina here these are two teams I just don't trust. I probably wouldn't bet on this because we don't know who any of these teams are, really. The Raiders, they could be good. They could not be good. The Panthers, so many moving parts there, new coach, new quarterback. Who knows? It could go either way, in my opinion. So I probably will stay away from this one. I really like Josh Jacobs as a young running back for the Raiders. James, I'm just not, I'm not sold on the Panthers at all this season considering all the turnover losing Luke Keekley, losing a veteran leader like a Greg Olson in the locker room as well. I like the Raiders to cover that three points on the road against the Panthers. A Panthers team that's, again, just a lot of turnover compared to a season ago. I'd also like to throw out the fact, though, that teams that relocate cities traditionally 
struggle immensely that following season. And the Raiders did just do that. They went from Oakland to Las Vegas. And let's, let's also add, they went to, from Oakland to Las Vegas amidst a pandemic. So I think you might have a lot of these players that uh, were footballs been the last thing on their mind, even probably while at camp. So I just, I just don't like the Raiders. Very good point, James. Fair enough. Fair enough. Dolphins, a six and a half point underdog to the New England Patriots over under at 42 points. So points will be a premium in this one. Guys, Tom Brady now going to the Bucks, no longer in New England after a 20 year stretch. I'm telling you this much. Bill Belichick has been waiting for this day to prove how great of a coach he is. And it's crazy because everyone's like, oh, well, you know, now the favorite in the AFC East is the Bills. I'm telling you guys. Maybe I'm just drinking the Kool-Aid too much, but Cam Newton, here's the thing, right? Like if you're to get divorced, right? You want your second wife and your second marriage to be like nothing like your first wife, right? That you get divorced from, right? And now that Bill Belichick has this new gadget, a guy who can move around a little bit, who's mobile, who you can run quarterback draws and design running plays before. He now has this new gadget in Cam Newton that he hasn't had with a guy like Tom Brady, who's been kind of, he's got great pocket presence, but more of a statue in the pocket and is not a running threat at all. I'm telling you what, I cannot wait to see what the Patriots do this season, especially with Cam Newton under center. Yeah, this might be my favorite storyline heading into the year. Who's better, the mentor or the protege? You know, like the coach or the superstar? And I think a lot of, you know, they're, they're obviously grouped together. Brady Belichick, Brady Belichick, that's two of the best combos, coaching QB combos in sports. I don't even know where I was going with that. But Here, I'll, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you what you're trying to say, Sammy. You're trying to say there are a lot of question marks outside of Cam Newton on that Patriots offense. There is a huge lack of weapons and tools, and you would probably go against the Patriots if they were playing anyone other than the Miami Dolphins who probably aren't going to be that great this year. Not just that, but remember, there's bad blood because the Dolphins team is the team that knocked New England out of that second playoff position. So they didn't have the home field advantage. They didn't have the bye week for the first week of the playoffs. And they had to play in the first round against the Titans. And it was because of the Dolphins in week 17 a year ago, there's going to be bad blood there. I think the Patriots cover the six and a half points because of the recent memory of what the Dolphins did to this team a season ago. I think the Patriots are going to win, but I also think that Cam Newton's going to going to have a lot of those same facial expressions as Deshaun Watson when he realizes that he has nothing in his receiving court. <laughs> That's actually very true. You know, Cam is like that big name, but yeah, you're gonna, be, you're gonna be like, man, Cam looks great. He just has no one to throw it to. <laughs> right. He has no, He literally has nothing. So James least, West least, is available as a. No, at least Deshaun had had David Johnson as a running back. You know, there yeah. was like, all right, cool. Like they looked good. Like I can't even. You can't really even say that for the Patriots. I'm curious. I want to know what you guys think. So, I guess the over under line of win total for the Patriots this season is nine. What do you think of that? Like, how do you think they'll finish the season? For me, it's as simple as you're the champs until someone knocks you off. And look, the Bills are stacked. They have a really good team. But, like, are we that sold on Josh Allen as their quarterback? Like, seriously, like, are you putting your money 
on Josh Allen. I'm not going to. I'm going to go with what's been proven and what Bill Belichick has shown us for the last 20 years. That's kind of similar uh, logic as it was for me with the Browns. It's like until someone can beat them or until someone they can beat somebody, it's like let's go with history here. I had them right at 9-7. and seven. You guys are saying you're going with history, but history was Belichick plus Brady equals wins. That equation's changed. It's a different situation now. It's Belichick plus Cam. I don't know. I don't know. I Honestly, there's more history with, with Josh Allen than there is with, with Cam Newton in, in that division. I think there's a lot more talent on the Bills' offensive roster. Mm-hmm. I think both teams have a very good defense. Realistically, they'll probably split, but I think it's the, I think this year the it's the Bills to lose. So James likes the under on the Pats. I like the over, and Sam is a push. Sam's a stay away there. Speaking yeah. of the Bills, a six-and-a-half-point favorite hosting the New York football Jets, 39-and-a-half-point over under. Guys, I'm going to miss footage of the Bills Mafia tailgating this season. That might be one of the biggest losses we experience during the pandemic. I certainly hope that they get creative as well in terms of if there's something that they can do virtually because seeing all the footage from the tailgates is one of my favorite parts of each football season. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. And I'm shout out to the, you know, St. Louis Battlehawks fans because we kind of picked up a little bit on uh, on Bill's Mafia, that, that first game at home, man. <laughs> how much that's do you the, love, that's the st louis xfl team yeah. sam how, how much how much did dwayne the rock johnson pay you to sneak that little tidbit in here for, on today's pod <laughs> oh, like that's oh crazy. man that's <laughs> <laughs> the jets have third year starter sam darnold remember he had mono i think that was a season ago adam gase has been kind of shaky as the jets head coach and again the bills are the favorite to win the afc east guys i like the bills to cover at home You know, that's something we haven't talked about probably yet or nearly enough off the air is what is even a home field advantage because many of these stadiums, even if they have fans, are going to be limited capacity, a lot like we saw at Arrowhead Stadium last night in the Chiefs-Texans game. But I'm curious to see how that impacts the odds in the numbers moving forward in terms of the point spreads. But I like the Bills to take care of business. This, is, this was a playoff team a year ago, uh, a team that can run the ball and has a great defense as well. I like the Bills to cover that six-and-a-half-point spread against the Jets. Yeah, I just think the Jets are – I mean, they're kind of trash right now, man. Like, they need Sam Donald to have a big year. I don't trust them right now. James, I'm actually curious because you lived in New York for a while. Kind of what's the narrative around the Jets up there? Like, are they, you know, they have a big following or like? Uh, so the, the Jets, the, how, how do I phrase this? So like, obviously right now, you know, you look at New York and both of their football teams are pretty trash. But I would kind of, when it comes to like the Jets and the Giants, it's a little bit like the Yankees and the Mets, right? Where the Giants would draw a comparison to the Yankees and the Jets would draw a comparison to the Mets being the, the lesser of two teams. But I mean, like realistically, neither one of those teams can sell at the stadium. But when it comes to fans, I think like if you're new to the city or if you're looking for a team to cheer for, you're going to, I think you're going to lean more towards the Giants. Whereas like you're born and bred a Jets fan, you know, like there's a certain, like they wear their misery on their sleeves, like a badge of honor. You know, like it's just that. it's one of those that. teams where like this wear it on, you know. <laughs> yep. If you want to know what it's like to be, like a they Jets almost fan, enjoy being miserable. Wanna, yeah. You know? <laughs> if you want to go, 
if you want to go, if you want to like really know what it's like to be a Jets fan, just go look up some of the Gary Vee videos and he tells you what it's all about. But no, like Jets fans are legit. Like they're, they're hard host. They wear it on their chest. Like they know they suck, but they did improve that offensive line. I think that might help Le'Veon, which in turn could help Darnold, but I'm still picking the bills. Sam, who do you like? I like the bills. I, right. I mean, they're fun to watch. So very good. The Eagles, a six-point favorite on the road against the Washington football team. And the over-under at 42.5 points. Guys, the NFC East was so weak a season ago. It seemed like between the Eagles and Cowboys, they couldn't decide which team wanted to win the division. And I'll say this. I'll take the Eagles in this game because the big question mark for Washington is what kind of progression has second-year quarterback Dwayne Haskins made that's just there's so much uncertainty with that ron rivera comes in as well as the head coach there too but i'm going to take the eagles i think they're just a little bit more proven at this standpoint man this is a tough one it's like eagles are banged up they're receiving core yeah they drafted uh rager but i know uh, alshon jeffrey's like been hurt and i mean i feel like the washington football team i mean they are playing with nothing to lose really the expectations are already super low Dwayne Haskins can only really go up from last year. I expect a big year out of Terry McLaurin, and I'm really excited to see Antonio Gibson. He's kind of like that fantasy darling later on in these drafts. I think they're going to play him close. With the new coach, I think you're going to play him tough. You know, I'm going to go Washington football team plus six at home. Wow, Sammy, you, you took the wind out from my sails because I completely agree with you, all right? Like, wow. let's, let's be honest. Let's be honest. If this oh, – okay. if, 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 but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to add a big if, all right? Washington plus six if Antonio Gibson gets going and has a big rookie debut just like Clyde Edwards-Alaire and if McLaurin can get, can get some solid receptions, some solid touches, and some solid targets – I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Washington over the Eagles too. I like the upset. Oh. Let's go, baby. <laughs> Week one action continues when the Seahawks go on the road against the Atlanta Falcons. The Falcons a two-point underdog at home. Guys, I'll say this. It's really simple for me in this one. Russell Wilson was the MVP last season, if not for Lamar Jackson. And I'll say this though, too, from the Falcons standpoint. Yeah, they were 7-9 and nine a season ago, but they won six of their final eight games, and it was enough for Dan Quinn to keep his job. This was a Falcons team that was in the Super Bowl just a few years ago. Got a veteran quarterback with Matt Ryan. Julio Jones is always a threat on the outside. I, I can't wait for this matchup, but uh, it, sorry, Julio. Julio Jones. Julio Jones. All right, man. Yeah, no, I love Julio too. Hey, Calvin Ridley. Anyways, I like, I like the Seahawks, though, to cover the Seahawks in the, the NFC West, what might be the toughest division in football. I, I'm not going to bet against Russell Wilson, Pete Carroll, and the boys on the road. Agreed. They bring in uh, Jamal Adams. I think the Seahawks could honestly, I mean, go to the Super Bowl this year. I think they just got to unleash Russell, baby. Let Russell do Russell. It's let like, him cook. Let him cook. Let him, let him eat, baby. Let him eat. It's like... Uh, there's such a running heavy offense, but Tyler Lockett and, and DK Metcalf exceeded expectations last year. Chris Carson, you know, he's that workhorse back. I think this, and there, people, he was, the Seahawks were so close to 
getting that that bye if they wouldn't beat for Niners at the end of the season. I think Seahawks will win this game and start off 1-0. I'm not going to sleep on Matt Ryan at home. I'm excited to see Gurley. It's just me. I Honestly, I hope he can bounce back from that knee injury. I hope he can kind of find a, a, a kind of a second life to, to his career post-Rams. Love Julio. Love Calvin Ridley. So, I, I, you know what? I'm, I'm going Falcons here. All righty. Next matchup, we've got the Chargers, a three-point favorite against the Bengals. Joe Burrow's debut in Cincinnati. But, guys, I like some of the pieces that the Bengals have from an offensive standpoint. Joe Mixon, a really good running back. A.J. Green coming off an injury from the receiver standpoint. But this Bengals defense was dismal a season ago. And it's no wonder that the Bengals went 2-14 in and NFL worst. I just cannot pick them in what's going to be a, a debut for Joe Burrow, his rookie debut. I like the Chargers, and I like the Chargers up front from a defensive line standpoint. Got one of the Bosa brothers as well. I, I like the Chargers to cover. Dude, I cannot wait for this game. Joe Burrow. What? <laughs> what? I just think Joe Burrow is just so captivating, man. Like, he's been one of my favorite college athletes to follow in the past five years. And him starting in, like, his home state with a very good – offense like they have so many weapons on that offense aj green's back tyler boyd john ross then you got joe mixon i just think it's gonna be really fun to see all of them put together plus i do like chargers their defense is sick so it's gonna be fun to see like those two going at it and how about tyrod taylor man like a tale as old as time he's a traveling quarterback and just he's pretty much just gonna be the placeholder for justin herbert which i kind of feel bad for him but I'm just intrigued to see like what these two teams will be like. I don't know if I have like a prediction on on this one at all. It's just gonna be fun to watch. Stay away for Sam James. What yeah. about you? Anything? Yeah, you know, I I really like the Chargers defense. I think that they, I think they could potentially be kind of one of those underdog defenses. Although they've been pretty good the past couple of years. I know they struggled last year, but I really like them, and I like Joe Burrow too but I think I like his future more than the reality of this season. Listen, yeah. Sammy, like I'm not mm. necessarily drinking the Joe Burrow hype. He had no OTAs. He had no preseason. You know, he's never, no, I, taken, he's never taken a meaningful NFL snap. Like sure. There's a lot of talent on that, on that offense, but like, you know, like that, that, this, that team sucked for a reason. Like there's yeah. a reason why Joe Burrow's on that team. All right. And I'm just not buying it. Like, Oh yeah, I, like I like the Chargers. I think it's it's just a safer pick. I think they have a solid defense. I think Joe Burrow's really going to struggle this year, but like you know, I don't think he's going to be like Mitch Trubisky. You know, James, I really liked the Chargers' defense, if not for the loss of Derwin James, the safety going out with an injury. It looks like he'll miss the rest of the season there too, and so we'll see what happens Sunday. Cardinals, a seven-point underdog on the road to the 49ers, over-under at 48-and-a-half. James, I know we were talking before the pod today. We want to take the Cardinals in this game, but I cannot go against the San Francisco 49ers, the NFC team in the Super Bowl a year ago, just with how dominant the 49ers are at running the ball and playing defense. I can't pick against them at home in this one, but I think there are going to be a lot of people out there that think that Kyler Murray has a little bit of Lamar Jackson in him entering year two. Yeah, you know, we were, we were talking about that, and, and I was saying, I was like, man, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. I've made up my mind. I'm taking the Cardinals, and I'll tell you why. 
49ers have their center, Weston Richburg, out. Debo Samuels is also recovering from an injury. They lost Emmanuel Sanders, who, who was last year's wide receiver one, isn't on the roster more. He now plays for the Saints. And I feel like always they're always like one of the teams that played in the Super Bowl has a hangover and just kind of underachieves the next year. And based on the game I watched last night, it certainly isn't the Kansas City Chiefs. So I'm betting against the 49ers. I'm taking the Cardinals. They have Hopkins. They have Larry Fitzgerald. They got Kyler Murray, who, like you said, could be a little bit of, a, of like Lamar Jackson light. I, I like that team. I think it, it can be exciting. I'm picking the upset with the Cardinals here. So you're taking them to win the game, not to just win. cover? Okay. To win. Wow. Oh, okay. Wow, wow, wow. Okay. All right. We got to record these because, you know, we got to track and see how our predictions are. I'm going with the Niners, man. I mean, there's, there's so much continuity. Well, you've got Mostert in the backfield, too, who's been super yeah. consistent for them. And I think, is he a guy who could take the next step of he was a role player entering the postseason, and then you saw his postseason production. Can he be the guy for the 49ers in the backfield? And here's the other thing. Like, is Jimmy G going to step it up? Can they trust him to throw the ball? Who knows, man? Who knows? Who knows? Fair enough. Yeah. We'll move on to an NFC South matchup. Probably going to be one of the most watched games this weekend. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, a three-and-a-half-point underdog to the New Orleans Saints, a 48-point over-under. Guys, I know I've been an outlier here. I am not buying the Tom Brady hype in Tampa. I can't wait to get into it. Gloves are coming off. I like the Saints in this game, and uh, we'll, we'll get into it. But I cannot get behind the Tom Brady hype in Tampa. Either way, I think it's going to be extremely intriguing. Mark, I feel like, like you're letting your personal experience factor into your opinion of a team. You know, you used to live in Tampa. You've since left. But uh, Sammy, I'll, I'll let you chime in here. I just wanted to, you know, I don't know. I think I think you're letting your, your personal experiences blind your judgment, Mark. No, I'm, I was going to say, I don't want to steal Mark's thunder here. But have people forgot about the Saints? Like, they were a blown call away from going to the Super Bowl two years ago, if Kamara didn't get hurt last year, they could have potentially locked up that number one seed. And don't you think that Sean Payton and Drew Brees are sitting back and looking at all this hype at like uh, Tom Brady signing with the, with the Bucks? Like, oh, they're the only ones they're talking about. Tom Brady, Tom Brady this, Tom Brady this. Like, could the Bucks go to the Super Bowl? Could the Bucks win the NFC South? But the Saints, they're just as loaded especially, you know, in the backfield with Kamara and Latavius Murray, um, that defense is very solid. And I think they're just going to let Drew Brees, like, have a statement game here and come out firing, and they're going to try to put up as much, many points as possible. And I'm super excited for this game. I cannot wait for this game. Sammy, I think you nailed it square on the head, too. I'm going with the Saints because I like the continuity over the past three years with that team, that coaching staff, and that roster. And – I agree with you. Have people forgotten about the Saints? Like, if I'm Drew Brees, if I'm Sean Payton, like, I'm pretty PO'd at, at the media, right? Like, think about, think about the difference in media attention that Tom Brady and Drew Brees had this offseason. Right. If I'm Drew Brees, <laughs> if I'm, Drew Brees I'm, I'm going to Sean Payton. I'm telling him, yo, like, we're lighting this dude up. Yep. And I think Sean Payton's the type of guy that's just going to let him lay it on in the fourth quarter. <laughs> you know? I, you know what? And I'm telling you, I, I think it's going to be a good game. I'm not going to lie. I'm excited. And Tampa's one of the teams that I'm most excited to watch this season. Right. Week one, 
I'm giving it to the Saints. And I think the second time they play this season, I really want to like revisit the, that game on this podcast when we have a little bit more information to work with because I think that could be a really intriguing and a really, really good game. The yeah. best thing that could happen would be if Sean Payton brings out Jameis Winston as a victory cigar in this <laughs> one. Yes. Great. That would be amazing. That'd be amazing. Just let him take the knee. Yeah. <laughs> or you know what? Just let him like throw a pick just to spite him. Let me run a few facts by you guys. Hop in at any point here. The Bucks last made the playoffs in 2007, so they've been irrelevant for the past decade. Getting Tom Brady, it's like putting a Band-Aid on a flush wound. And the Bucks hype this season reminds me of the Browns hype a season ago. When the Bucks were on hard knocks a few years back, the general manager, Jason Light, claimed that Jameis Winston was the best leader he'd ever been around in anything. I mean, like, you guys have seen the E to W pregame speech, not to mention all of the off-field shenanigans that Winston has had during his career dating back to his days at Florida State. I'm not sure about the continuity that Brady and the Bucks have had because of the pandemic. Everyone's acting like, oh, O.J. Howard is this great tight end. His career high in receptions is 34. Cameron Brait has had decent numbers, but he's never been the main guy. There's no way Gronk plays in all 16 games given his injury history. We have Mike Evans, who's got a hamstring injury that he's going into this game this weekend. Apparently, he practiced today. Now, in what capacity, we do not know. Brady's 43. Only seven quarterbacks in the history of the league have started at quarterback at 43 years or older. You've got two running backs in LaShawn McCoy and Fournette, whose their teams didn't want them. McCoy's best days are behind him. I, I just don't see it with this, this Bucks team. I, I just I don't understand the hype at all. I like the Saints in this one. And again, we'll see what happens on Sunday. I, regardless of what happens with Tampa Bay, they're going to be one of the most entertaining teams to watch this season. We'll go to Sunday night football. Three games left on the week one matchup, guys. The Cowboys, a three-point favorite over the Rams at home, a 52-point over-under. This is not the opening that we thought we would have for SoFi Stadium, a $5 billion stadium. Sam, I know this probably stings a little bit for you because the Rams former, formerly were in St. Louis, now in L.A., but the Rams are coming off a 9-7 and seven season, missed the playoffs for the first time under head coach Sean McVay as well. I like the Rams to rebound in 2020. What say you? Eh, I'm going to disagree, man. I think the Rams will regress this year. And for those of you that, that listen that don't know, I was a huge Rams fan. I mean, we're talking about St. Louis Rams fan, let me clarify. Every single game, or every single Sunday, my Sunday revolved around the Rams football. And so you guys know for 10 years, whatever, the last 10 years that they were in St. Louis, I mean, they didn't have a winning season. And it would just always just piss me off so much. But this is the first year that really a lot, and it was hard when they moved to LA for me because a lot, I still liked a lot of those players, but I just hate the organization. Started with Kroenke. And this is the first year that really there's not many people. I don't even think there's any more St. Louis Rams on that roster since Todd Gurley left. So you might have to check me, but most of the big, you know, big characters in that St. Louis locker room have left, but I just don't think I'm not a big believer in golf. I think they have so many, so much money locked up in all these big 
players. If a few of those players go down, their depth really isn't there. Could realistically be a six-win team. So in the Cowboys, on the other hand, I think they're a lock to make the playoffs. I mean, their offense is stacked, and Dak is going to – is playing for that big contract. So, Adam, Sammy, do you hear what you're saying? You're going with the Cowboys, dude? Like, it's just like the Cowboys are just in mediocrity. Like, <laughs> I don't know, man. And under Jason, Garrett, they, like, under Jason Garrett, Mike McCarthy has won a Super Bowl. Yeah, but their offensive coordinator, like, has a baby face and has literally been a coach for two years. And it's like, the offensive coordinator was the best part of that team last year. Yeah, but they were, they were so inconsistent. So inconsistent. I'm not a big like, Cowboys. I'm, saying, I'm, saying, man, I'm just, I just, listen, like, I get it. I get it. You hate the Rams, but I don't think they're going to regress. I think they're going to bounce back. I think a big reason why the Rams struggled last year was because of the girly situation. I think it was the elephant in the locker room. And I think that it, I think it hampered the team as a whole. I think it forced them to change their identity throughout the season on who they were as a team and who they were as an offense. And I think now that they have Cam Akers in, I think that hopefully he can take a big step forward, help right the ship that is the Rams. And, uh, and I'm excited for them to, to have a bounce back year. I cannot wait to revisit these at the end of the season. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. I, I think I think uh, I think the Rams Chris and SoFi Stadium with a big W. I'm not buying the I'm not buying the hype. I'm okay. not buying the Dak hype. I get it. They they drafted C D Lamb, but rookie wide receivers hardly ever make a a substantial impact to a team. Maybe Amari Cooper can string together a solid season. I guess like the the, the thought is, is, that, is that he was injured last year, and that's what caused him to slump. But okay. uh, well, hopefully uh, you're wrong. Yeah. So. You know Zeke Zeke gets slower every single year. Alrighty, from Sunday night football to Monday night football, two Monday night football matchups in Week One: the Steelers on the road against the Giants. The Steelers are a six-point favorite over/under at forty-six and a half, guys. Big Ben is back. He is the preseason favorite to win comeback player of the year. This is a Steelers offense that did not score more than 27 points in a single game in 2019. And the team still went eight and eight entering his 14th season as Steelers head coach. Mike Tomlin has not had a losing season yet. I think Big Ben puts the Steelers over the top. Now, whether they can overtake the Ravens in the AFC North, is another debate, but I like the Steelers to not only cover in this game, I like the Steelers to get back into the postseason in 2020. I mean, the Steelers, their whole season is going to be riding on Big Ben. Can he stay healthy? I do think they have, they have a strong defense. I just don't know what to think of the Steelers, man. They're one of those teams that I don't think they're that, they're that talented all across the board. Playing in a tough division that, you know, they have to play the Ravens twice. And the Browns, you know, like we talked about, are, could be a good team this year. I think the Steelers are going to, you know, win this game. But I don't know if they're a, really a playoff team this year. Like I guess it's all going to come down to Big Ben. And I think I would probably err on caution and say, no, they probably won't make the playoffs this year. Who knows? This is a, that's a tough team for me because they have a, a strong coach, like you said, never had a losing season, despite even having bad quarterback play last year. It's just, I don't know. It's tough. Sammy, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring us back to the game at hand. Giants aren't good. Steelers right. all the way. All the yeah. way. I think, though, for storylines, 
you bring up some good ones. I also would like to add, can Juju, can he step up and be that wide receiver one? And can James Conner bounce back and have a good season? I think if you can answer, I think those are the three big question marks on offense is, is Big Ben, Connor, and Juju. If all three of those guys are legit this year, I mean, then, then of course, the Steelers are definitely going to be a playoff team. But there's three question marks. Well put. The final game, guys, last one. The Titans, a two-and-a-half-point favorite on the road against the Denver Broncos, over-under at 41. I will say this with the Broncos. They were kind of my sleeper team in the AFC until Von Miller is now out for the season. And then going into this game, wide receiver Cortland Sutton has had a shoulder injury as well. I like the Titans to cover. Sam, I've got to ask you, too, because as a Titans fan – you're going up against Drew Locke, the Broncos quarterback, former Missouri quarterback. Kind of a divided allegiance here going into this Monday night matchup. All I can say is, let's run it back. Let's run it back. I like my Titans to come in here and take care of business. I am worried a little bit because, I, you know, going out West Coast, playing the Mile High Stadium, I think that's going to be very tough, especially having a late night game to travel across – the country in play, but I think that the Titans, their identity is run the ball and pound the ball. And uh, I think Derek Henry's going to step up this game. The Broncos are my pick for regression this year. And it is because, you know, Vaughn Miller's out, especially like week one, Court, Cortland Sutton is suffering some injuries. You know, like we said, they have, uh, what is it? Jerry Judy was their wide receiver pick. Wide receivers hardly usually make substantial impacts as rookies. I've already said this. But the biggest, the biggest reason why I'm picking the Broncos to regress this year is because one of their tackles opted out of the season, mm. and he was their better tackle. Drew Locke is, I mean, I get, can we call him a second-year starter? He's a .5-year starter. <laughs> and, and I think not having that same level of protection is going to hurt him. I think there'll be games when he'll be great. There'll be games when he'll, when he'll really stink. So picking the Broncos to regress this year, but bounce back in uh, 2021. Here's the thing. Like I am a little like Drew Locke is going in with so much hype this year. And it's almost like they're setting him up for failure because mm. he doesn't win, have a winning season. They're going to be like, Oh, well, you know, Drew Locke didn't have a good season. He only played in five games last year and he did fairly well, but he had his ups and downs. I don't think he's going to, you know, people are saying he could have like that breakout comeback player, you know, breakout player of the year and be like a, you know, a sleeper for like an MVP candidate type season. I'm like, no, hold your horses now. Like Drew Locke is, I'm pumped for him. I think he's going to have a good successful career. I just think he's going to take time. And I think they surrounded him with all these weapons, which is great, but he's only, like I said, he doesn't have much experience and I like him to have a decent season. I just don't think, I think we should tamper expectations a little bit. I like how you guys are a little sour on fanny pack Vic Fangio. You guys don't have the faith in the Broncos head coach. I I will say this, Sammy. If uh if the if the Bears if the Bears can hold out hope this long for Mitch Trubisky, (laughs) I think I think the Broncos and John Elway can lock one year amid amid a pandemic and amid some whole uh, uh, set out. I just don't know if he's going to get the results this year necessarily. 
this is why this is why we are stuck in misery james you just about killed me there at the very end hey, uh, let's put a uh, let's do a little bet for fun who do you think has the better season the broncos or the bears that's a good bet. Yeah, I'll, I'll take I'll take the Bears just because I think they don't have as competitive division bet. because the Broncos and the AFC West you're gonna have look going against the Chiefs this year that's two losses right there so I'll take the Bears with that. Well, the Bears are in a tough division too. I'm going Broncos, yeah. baby. I'm going Broncos. So yeah, let's record this. <laughs> Do I have to choose, man. Um... James is flipping a coin right now. <laughs> All right. Well, you know what? You know what? He, I'm going to go Broncos, too. Okay, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. There's, there's uh, honestly, no, I just, I just, I just, I, t- Sammy, today, I, I've agreed with you a lot more than I've agreed with Mark, so that's how I'm split my vote. I trust you in your decision, so I'm backing Sam on this one. <laughs> Broncos, also, I want to see, I want to see my guy, Drew Locke, have some success. It's nice to, to see uh, a Missouri guy get some exposure. Hopefully, that'll help. That'll help uh, Coach Drink with the recruiting. Okay, guys, Super Bowl predictions. I like the Chiefs to repeat as Super Bowl champions, and I'm going to put them up up against the Seattle Seahawks come season's end. Who do you guys like for your Super Bowl picks? I like the Chiefs versus the New Orleans Saints, and the New Orleans Saints taking it home this year. And it could be Drew Brees' final season. Yeah, man, I'm going to go – I'm going to go – I'm going to go Ravens Saints. Okay. All righty. All righty. Who's going to win it? Yeah. Who's going to win James? You know what? I think uh, I'm picking, I'm picking Drew Brees really in his last year to win it and to get the MVP. I think Drew's going to tear it up this year. Uh, you know, I think, I think Tom Brady come to come to town, which is going to up his game. You know, I think that's the type of guy that Drew is. I'm, I'm going with it. I'm going with the Saints, man. It's about time. Fellas, I cannot wait for the start of football season. It got underway last night, and then Sunday we will have that full slate of games. Thank you to the listeners as well. Please go rate, review, and subscribe to Stuck in Misery wherever you get your podcasts. Guys, this has been a blast. going to go ahead and sign off here. For Sam Renchen and James West, I'm Mark Bergen. Thank you for listening to Stuck in Misery. Take care. So long, everyone. Enjoy the action. See you next time.